Did you know only 9% of construction business owners make more than $200,000 a year? We believe your business should make your life better. We work with construction business owners to systemize their cash flow, workflow, and crew so they can become involved but not required. Have a listen to our podcast if you want to be in control of your business and your life. If you want to get there faster, go to involvedbutnotrequired.com. A lot of guys look at um, P&Ls as, you know, uh, just a slab of numbers, you know. There's all these numbers on there and they're hard to read. They're really not, um, but it's having them sorted out the right way and understanding what goes where. So we're going to look at that. Then we'll take time to stop for, to grab coffee or a drink um, and you guys can have a look. Um, you, we can even share screens if people want to look at zero things and I'll pause recording. Um, if not, we can just talk about it hypothetically as to how things should be allocated. So let's look at um, the segments of a P&L. Right, your first thing up the top is revenue. Yeah, how many dollars did you make? I love round figures because I can work them out. So I'm just going to assume I've been using this a lot today for these videos I've done for you guys. Revenue, million dollars total. Now you might have three or four things in here, you know, um, that that are different revenue streams, um, or you've broken them down um, to different things. For us, it was generally um, uh, carpentry labour, carpentry materials. Yeah, we also had hourly rate. Um, We'd had things like work cover income. Um, which is, seems odd, but if you had someone off on work cover, um, you had to pay them, uh, and then you got reimbursed by work cover. So that became income coming back in. You know, uh, apprentice bonuses, when we got um, you know, paying for apprentice getting signed off at the end of their time, or you get a bonus for signing up once they stay with you for a year, you know, that's other income that we would put in there. So you might have a line item for that. But it just comes in, and it's one thing at the top. It's usually pretty small, revenue. Not the amount of revenue, that's not small. The, the, the amount of the total sheet, if you're looking at, at a sheet that's this big, I'm trying to make sure I can be, my hands can be seen because I talk a lot with my hands. And Maddie pointed out before that I tend to be up here. And when I go into this nice little circle, that I then do all these hand gestures that no one can see. So I've got to remember to take a step back and, and be here. So when you've got a P&L this big, um, of this P&L, this much of it is revenue, this tiny little bit at the top, right? Um, the next thing for you guys, this will be the biggest amount of money on your sheet other than revenue, but it's often not a big area. This is what we call direct costs or variable costs. We've got other names, but those are the two that you refer to the most as. Direct costs, um, cost of goods sold. Um, it's the, the things that change as you do more or less work. You know, uh, for most of us, it's going to be um, labour and materials. You know, uh, whether it's um, fuel in your truck for rent, whether it's um, you know, cabling for Shawno, whether it's plaster for Jazzy, materials are materials, right? It's materials. Um, Hugh, who can't get timber, so let's assume you're going to get a tin snip, Hugh, because it seems you can't get timber these days anyway. Um, fuck, even I can't do home projects. I'll go to Bunnings and there's nothing on the shelf. You know, I was getting desperate when people would buy curved stuff from Bunnings. The more work you do, the more materials you buy, the more labour you have. Whether it's subbies, whether it's apprentices, you can stand guys down. If you're quiet, you can hire more guys if you're busy. So they vary. And that's where that term variable cost. So often it's easy to remember them as variable costs. Because if you can think of them as being variable, 
it helps you know when you've got a cost and, and where you should be assigning it to which part of the P&L. So this part here or this next part here, which we'll get to in a sec, is does it change when I do more or less work? Do you have a question here? Sound like you're unmuted to ask something, are you cool? No, no, we're good. Sorry, sorry, I just thought I'd pause for a sec because I tend to talk a lot. <laughs> so everything that goes in here is going to be your wages, um, your subbies, you know, um, super. For, this is for wages for on-site staff, by the way. If you've got admin team, it's not in there. Um, you know, your super your, for your on-site staff. So we always used to have two categories because we had admin and we had on-site staff. So we broke out the amount of work cover we paid for on-site versus um, office staff. Um, we broke out the wages into two separate categories. We had actually two separate pay runs to make it even easier. Um, the other thing I'd want to see in here is your on-site wages. So what do I mean by that? Let's pick that round figure again. You're going to pay yourself 100 grand a year and you work out that you're going to be on-site 60% of the time. All right? You're going to be at home in the office 40% of the time. I don't care if you're on site for eight hours a day um, and then at home for five hours a day quoting. If you, that's not 100% of the time on site, right? You're still, you, you're working a ridiculous number of hours, but the amount of time, total of your work week, whether it's 40 hours or 100 hours, the total time of your work week that you spend on site doing invoiceable work versus the amount of time that you're spending doing all the admin quoting shit, right? If it is 60% of the time, then you should have 60K up here. You know, 40K is going to be down here in overheads, admin, right? So um, what we do is then this is where people start to get, because until this point, it's easy, right? You get a total variable costs. Often your accountant will set it up as total cost of goods sold, total direct costs. Um, you know, here, let's say it's 700,000, yeah? What we do here is take our total revenue less our total variable costs and we get our gross profit, which in this case would be $300,000. If someone ever says profit, just the word profit with nothing attached, they do not mean gross profit. What most people think of, 95% of the population think of when you say profit, is net profit. It is the very bottom thing on your P&L, the bottom line. Right? That's where that wonderful American term comes from, get to the bottom line. Because you know what matters, how much profit, being net profit, did you or didn't you make. Gross profit is only halfway down. Um, it's, it's what are your direct costs? So it's your gross profit there. I hope that's making sense. So your gross profit margin here is 30% because your gross profit is 300 out of a million dollars. Right? This is a measure of efficiency because why do it? Why care about it? Why not just fucking get to the bottom line? Right? Why are we going through the effort of figuring out a, a partial, silly, middle-of-the-road profit when what we really care about is how much profit we make at the bottom? because it's a measure of efficiency. Um, if you go and quote $100,000 for a job, especially when we're paying hourly rate, you know, it's great for the builder. They win the contract to do this house, to do this building, um, to do whatever it is. 
they then go and get all their different trades and they get a fixed price quote. Every one of us has guys on hourly rate. So we quote a job and then we can make more or less money depending on how long those guys take to do that work, right? So what we do is we go, well, let's look at it. Let's look at um, if we've done a $100,000 job and we had to spend $70,000 on wages, then we've made our 30,000, 30% gross profit. If they went faster, if they made 30%, if they made, uh, you know, instead of 70, they, they went 10% faster and only cost us 63,000 to pay them, that's seven grand more in our back pocket. That's 37 grand, 37% gross profit. So we use it as a measure of efficiency because it varies. That term, I'm gonna keep coming back to it, variable costs, right? Because it varies with efficiency and with productivity. The faster you guys are working, the more aligned they are as a team, the more lit up, the more A players you've got on there, and the more they're just smashing it out of the park, then the more work they're gonna get done for the same cost. So your efficiency goes up, it varies, up or down, as they get lazier, slower, things go wrong, right? These next ones are fixed costs. which are generally called overheads. That's what you usually see them as um, on a P&L. Yeah. It's everything else. I'm gonna send a long way back. If you've got a big sheet this long, two thirds of your sheet is usually overheads. Now your revenue's a few lines at the top. You'll have you know, four or five lines of wages, and then yeah, this will be things like $100 in postage, it'll be insurances, da 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 just goes on and on and on. There's freaking lines for everything, right? Um, it just seems to go on forever. I'm going to delete this so it doesn't seem to go on forever. But when you look at it, literally, there, there's just so many lines on your P&L that are in this overheads fixed cost column um, that you, your accountant or your bookkeeper will prepare for you. They're fixed because the concept is that they don't rapidly change if you do more or less work this month. You still got to pay your bookkeeper to reconcile your books whether you've not got work on this month or whether you've got oodles of work on this month. You know, you've still got to pay your, your rent. And, and by, it may not be an office, it may just be you write off a third of your mortgage or your rent at home as a home office. You've still got to pay your phone, your internet. Um, you know, the, your, your costs that don't change are still going to be there regardless of whether you've got a bumper month or a crappy month, whether you need more subbies or less. Yeah, it's fixed. So. While it will change over time, because if you double in size, you probably need another admin person. You, know, you might need a more, another estimator. Your insurance is going to increase because you know, you, it's based off turnover. But it doesn't change fast. It's fixed for the longer term. So all of these costs here go to make up your overheads, right? So let's say out of that, um, it's $200,000 which it's, because that's not how it would appear on a P&L, there would be another line here like this, and it would be total fixed costs, or total overheads, right? And that's 200,000. So we would always work out that as a percentage as well. So 200 of a, of a million is 20%. That makes a big difference to your profit 
and there's little things there. This is where in, in the fixed overheads, it is where the saying, take care of the cents and the dollars will take care of themselves comes from. I don't know if it really does, but I'm just going to pretend it does. It is so easy just to spend a little bit more. You know, like zero costs you 75 bucks a month. It can be more depending on how many staff you've got on. You know, we've got, um, for this business, we've got 18 different software subscriptions that we use. You know, for the co-working business, there's like nine, you know, between door entry softwares and, and payment for Stripe and the, the stuff for people to book meeting rooms and things. There's all these different things and you just go, oh, I'll just get one more. Like even for this call, I was using what, four or five? Each of those I pay a monthly subscription fee to. And you just go, ah, it just clocks over on the card and there's so many of them, you never notice it. Like two or three times a year, I'll get my card, I'll wait until a point where I don't need that business card for a bit, which is, I gotta say it's hard, but you can always do, um, uh, what do you call it, cardless withdrawals if you need it. I will cancel my card and say it's lost. Why? Because the bank will post me a new card uh, with a new set of numbers on it because I lost it and someone may have picked it up when I've just put it in a shredder. And I'll get all these emails. Hey, your card's not working. Now, I'll say, hi, oh, fuck, I've forgotten I'd signed up for a free trial of that. Yeah, I got one today. Like, I got a, a thing ordered from Kogan. Oh, um, it was something, it was 280 bucks. If you sign up for this 14-day free trial of their Kogan Plus membership or whatever, then it was only 130. I'm like, fuck, of course I'm going to do that. Um, I forgot to put a reminder to cancel within 14 days, so they've charged me $49 for the membership. I'm like, but, you know, I don't want that to roll over next year. I don't need a Kogan membership. Um, so all those things that just clock up, those little bits add up in your fixed overheads. Little bits here and there that just tick away and they add up. So you want to keep an eye on what that is. You know, early days, if you're running at 20%, that's right. We ended up running uh, between 12 and 14% as we got bigger. Um, yeah, this is where we're going. Do I need a bookkeeper at $80 an hour when I can get someone offshore at $8 an hour? You know, it's what can I do um, to make that better? You know, we've done exercises that we'll talk about as we go through this program where, you know, right, if I'm going to bring that down, can I go through and can I take 10% off every single line on my fixed overheads? Yeah, we had a, um, a factory in Thomastown at the time and we called them and said, um, can we get a, a discount on the rent? They're like, fucking what? Send us an email and explain why. I sent it and explained, you know, tough times, industries in the downtown, blah, blah, blah. They're like, no, but what we'll do is we will not give you the rent increase that's due next year, you know, at the end of the 12-month term when the rent goes up. It's only by CPI. So we only save like 3%, but it's something. Wouldn't have got it if not for asking. Um, you know, I know of people who've gone and, and switched over to VoIP systems from phone when, when you know, VoIP was first coming through, when it wasn't standard to have you know, MBN everything through the internet. And they're going to be able to change and save huge amounts. So how can you save money on there? Um, but it's a longer term prospect. It's not saying that it changes quickly. Because overall, these are fixed. All right. Then we get to the magic bottom line, which is your net profit. You'll hear it termed EBIT, which is earnings before interest and tax, or EBITDA, earnings before interest, tax, depreciation, amortization. Don't worry about it. It's just profit. Yeah? Um, so here, it's a million bucks less the 700000 in variable costs, less 200000 in fixed costs, which means you made $100,000 in net profit. Right? Why is this important? Because what we're talking about here is gross profit. Gross profit being a measure of efficiency. Right? So I need you guys to understand where and why 
costs go where they go so that you can work out what your gross profit is and so you can see on your PL where you can make changes and where we can go and assign things in a sec to make sure that our guys on site are covering the costs that we've got in the office.